Hello, my name is Macon Holt and welcome to this month's episode of the ARC Audio Book Club. This month we read Convenience Store Woman by Sayaka Murata, which is her 10th book, but her first novel to be translated into English and soon to be in Danish too. The novel is a story of Kiko, a woman who's sort of out of sorts with the world and has learned not to trust her instincts. She's found sanctuary in her adult life by working in a convenience store part-time, um, where your every utterance and action is dictated by a rule book. But after 18 years, this disguise is starting to wear a little bit thin, and she has to try and fit in a bit more to society's expectations if she wants to continue passing um, as a normal person. To resolve this, she decides to get together with another social misfit, Shiraha, um, and try and adopt a more expected style of life. Uh, but this threatens to take her away from her beloved convenience store. Talking about the book this month, we have Jiri Cabra. Hello. Frida Hammershoy. Hi. And of course, Jovan Alessandro. Hello. So, who else loved the convenience store as much as I did? I liked it. The store, the store itself, though. I don't mean the book. I mean the, the store in the book. Oh, really? You yeah. liked it? Yeah. Smile mad, no? Yeah, I, was that the name? Yeah. I, yeah, I just yeah. really, I found it very, um, I could understand the, the way, like, I felt it was written very lovingly and very, uh, I was very convinced by the, um, the cocoon-like environment it was depicted as. I thought it was interesting that, or maybe, wait, uh, Jiri and Frida, you've both, both been to Japan, right? Yes. How have you been in one of them? Can you recognize? Uh, does it exist? Smile Mart is. Uh, she used a different name. It's called Family Mart mm-hmm. in in Japan. Mm-hmm. And I um, I read this book before I decided to go to Japan, but then I got really excited to actually go to a Family Mart. And you know, I went there and I had all these expectations because I read the book, and it's like exactly like the book <laughs> describes it. It's so like. Everything is super neat, and they are there. Like, I I I don't know how to say this word. Saluting. Hi. It was very nice. Okay. Yeah, I didn't find the chocolate uh, melon soda that she's talking quite a much, oh. quite a lot about. But uh, chocolate melon sounds super disgusting. Sounds very gross. Yeah, for me, it was a similar experience. I found it was super expensive, these Japanese stores, as the yeah. uh, whole Japan was. But uh, otherwise, it reminded me a lot of 7-Elevens, but nicer and neater and sort of more professional. Are they smaller or bigger or uh, something? Bigger. Same? bigger? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Or depending if I compared it to 7-Eleven at uh, Nairport, yeah. then it was like twice as large, the Japanese sort of average store. <clears throat> so including the, the heat... Uh, heat sort of thingy where they keep all the sausages and stuff and they sell sushi in there or like yeah okay. it was it was clean it was nice it felt Jap- Japanese and expensive <laughs> and expensive okay which yeah. is a which is a thing yeah. everyone will notice could you relate to the idea that it was a cocoon in which you could be sheltered from the realities of um, complex social relationships <laughs> here we go <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Fried? <laughs> I I didn't get this impression so much, but that's maybe because I'm okay with the outside world, mm. so I didn't feel the need to cocoon myself. Mm. Yeah. Well, 
I feel like I'm in a minority here by saying that I can understand the the appeal of um, something that can be entirely ordered and you can be entirely told how it should be ordered. But it's kind of funny, though, because if, if that's what you want, then you can also become like an, a cleaning woman who cleans at night or something. And then you're totally mm. sheltered. Here you keep on meeting mm. like the world outside and that could create some jealousy or whatever but like how are you people able to function and you go about your life while I'm just standing here when she doesn't have that like she's just entirely fine I like yeah. how she described that like the equality of the story yeah, yeah, we yeah. are neither men or women <laughs> and here everyone is equal yeah, yeah, yeah. like you come from like some play in a yeah. band and some go to university and blah blah mm. blah mm-hmm. but like it's sort of like just It doesn't matter at the start of a shift. Exactly, and yeah. it doesn't matter in the store. Just, yeah. but I especially like yeah. like when uh, a bit later in the book, um, when they suddenly perceive her like as a woman, so for the first time mm. because they hear she has a boyfriend, which is this yeah. fake scheme yeah. she makes up. Um, then she suddenly does become a woman, and she's like, "Hey guys, here we are neither men nor women. We are fucking convenience store workers, and that's what I am." So, you know. <laughs> but she doesn't say that. She just smiles and waves. No, I, I have to. I have to say, I really like the the way that, that she she mentions the absolute order of mm. the bookstore. Uh, I'm sorry, of the convenience store. Um, that yeah, it gives her purpose and acceptance, and and sort of this is the place where she is and where she can be a normal person when she puts the uniform mm. on or the apron. Yeah, so I think that's the thing. That's like that's why she wants to have that kind of social interaction and why she doesn't just become a cleaning woman because you are you're still able to present as functioning. I think that's quite important to her. It's like she's figured out how to present herself as being normal. <clears throat> But also you said in your introduction of this mm. that she's learned not to trust her instincts. Yeah. I beg to differ, I think, at least in the first round. Um, because, mm. I mean, she is, like, she describes it almost animalistic in the beginning, the store, mm. how the store is mm. like a world of sound and she responds to it mm. and it's like a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. So it's in the outside world. Her instincts yeah. just didn't work. Like she does trust her instincts. But there are rules. <clears throat> there are written down rules for what you do by the... Like, now she's, now it's internalized for her, mm. but she learned it from a rule book. Yeah, but don't we all... But that's the thing. is like in the outside world, they said um, uh, we should bury that dead bird. She said, why don't we eat it? Mm. In, um, in the outside world, they said we should stop them fighting, and she hit a boy in the head with a shovel. Mm. So when she has to improvise her own rules of how to do things, when mm. she doesn't have a, a recipe book in front of her, then um, she she can't trust what she'll come up with. Mm. That's what I mean. I think. Yeah. Okay. It's a bit like this when her nephew is crying, and yeah. she's like, "If it was just a matter to make him quiet, uh, <laughs> I'll I'll." I, Stab him. Yes, I'll, yeah. I'll stab him with this knife. And that was a weird thing for me because this book does make up this deadpan gaze at the world, mm. but it also explains it a bit too much. It never does anything about it. And in the beginning where like she looks back on her childhood and her and the other kids found this dead bird and all the kids want to bury it and she wants to eat it. Yeah. And then, of course, they bury it because majority rules. And then she's looking at them. <laughs> yeah. And then she looks at them go around picking flowers, putting on the grave. And she's like, so they picked live flowers and they killed them to put on the grave. And oh, the hypocrisy. And it was a bit disappointing to me with like that gaze she had on the world. 
was always like, yeah, fine. Um, like there could have been better examples of how human interaction is just weird and contradictory. Mm. And it was yeah. always just like a bit obvious or like the ones where you would go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's also the strength of the book. I yeah. don't know. But I think it has something to do yeah. with how she opts out of human interactions in a non-controlled way really early on. She just doesn't with the reader, though. And I find that funny because she yeah. writes to the reader as if that's a normal person. Um, mm. And she does explain that very well. And if you're able to explain it at that level, then you can also interact at the same level, I would mm. say, at least to some degree. And yeah, I just found that really strange, like the narrator uh, who is this person? Yeah. Because she has, I, she has some great points yeah. or and ideas, but yeah. it's not. At least it's not consistent, yeah. and that might be fine. But yeah, I think I think yeah, it's, I think that's an interesting point because I think there is that there is a certain dissonance there between between not saying claiming not <clears throat> to know the rules and then illustrating how she doesn't know the rules all the time. Yeah. However, I would say at that point, like she knows, like it's like she knows of the rules. Yeah. Now. yeah. But she would they're not her go to thing. At mm. this point she just knows like, oh, that's how I should behave mm-hmm. rather than going, How can I behave any other way than this? Yeah. I think that's why she can actually explain it to the reader because she's going, uh, yeah, I I've been around enough to know that that's not okay. Mm. But yeah, it's a it's an interesting voice, I think. I describe it for myself as utilitary violence. Both of the situations, the, the spade hitting and breaking the fight, as well as killing the bird, or I'm sorry, as well as knifing the baby, the silencing the baby, it was like using um, the, the the least possible violent way to, to to increase the utility in society. But in the end, it, it was just extremely utilitarian and yeah. and in, uh, not at all emotional. From and um, but sorry, I was wondering why not turn it on herself. She keeps on like saying how she's an outsider and everyone else sees her as an outsider and she's being told like you should not procreate and blah 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 and if she's that detached from everything then why not look at that knife and you know turn it the other way around why the like because she hasn't got any loathing about her situation <clears throat> no but if she's that like pragmatic then yeah i don't know i don't but know it's a pragmatic it's a pragmatism it's a very it's a pragmatism towards survival <clears throat> yeah like, okay I yeah think, i guess it is yeah and th- yeah. th- there, there is someone somewhere in the book where where she she drops out of the store for a while and she just like you know the world collapses for her and uh, the way I describe it is like she fell or she she it's a breakup. What I what I saw is just, it's a love story between her and the store. It's between the misfit of society and the store itself. She's been there for such a long time. It's, it, it worked in the same way a breakup with the boyfriend or girlfriend does. They just. No days, no nights, just sleeping and eating, sleeping, eating, doing nothing, staying home, uh, pajamas. And uh, yeah, that way I feel it worked in a way that she might have in the end eventually turned a knife against herself. But then <clears throat> she found the love to the store again at the very end of the book. So she sort of found her nemesis. It's really interesting. Yeah, describing the story as a love story, I think, yeah. works really well yeah. uh, with the same structure to it because... She really loves the store. It's giving her life and purpose. And then she quits because she makes up this like mm. scheme to actually mm. fulfill society's expectations. Mm. And she's in a like process of sorrow, right? Mm. And then she finds a new one. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's one thing that's quite interesting is the uh, the guy that she decides to um, adopt, as she refers to it. <laughs> keep uh, him as a pet. Keep as a pet, yeah. <laughs> she keeps referring to get to finding his feed as well. <laughs> yeah, it's also nice. Um, Shiraha, he's uh, a guy who tries to work at the convenience store for a couple of days and then um, just doesn't turn up to shifts, really. And he thinks he's too good for it, but also has no drive to really do anything else. He keeps talking about the primal nature of society. And this is, I think, really, for me, touches a nerve about like a lot of what a lot of young men are saying about society today. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's a strictly Japanese phenomenon. So, but in this book, I believe, was it 2012, I think? Or like, only a couple of years ago, actually. Um, mm-hmm. um, 16. 16, yeah. So what is this, uh, this, 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 um, this hunger, do you think, towards a, uh, a notion that nothing's ever changed? Like, it's like the Stone Age. Yeah, it's almost like the Stone Age. Oh, but it's like the Flat Earthers, right? Everything is so complex that you want something you can believe and relate to and you have to make it yeah. more, like, simplify everything. And but what's fun with the Flat Earthers is, like, they get, they get agency by claiming the truth's been hidden and they're going to show it. And he's saying, kind of like an incel, I know the truth and I'm fucked. Yeah. And that's, that's um, what's, what's that about? <laughs> this wonderful defeat. I'd, I'd say it's sort of like a religious scheme almost of, of knowing what's there and, and knowing that there is nothing good. It's also like a final answer to everything. And you get it and you know that there's no way out of it. I don't know which religion describes this best, but the whole notion of we escaped religion in, in the last uh, century sort of and we have to replace it with something else and that is in some ways theories about flat earth or about society or about careerism and and, uh, yeah. and that's what he did I guess and uh, he realized it's, it's, it's not enough and it's not a good way and keeps referring to the stone age and to the many gods <laughs> when the life was simpler I mean unlike her he's mm. suffering a lot from being an outsider yeah and you know he's really he just wants to hide yeah. from society he yeah. wants like be as far away as possible mm. but i mean she's like completely fine mm. she she doesn't care mm. which i think is very na- like yeah 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 i mean this guy's really annoying yeah, yeah he's <laughs> very annoying <laughs> yes uh, yeah i think it's also fun is like he's he's got such a high opinion of himself like when they talk about getting together and how he like he definitely couldn't get couldn't get it up for someone like her like, there's no way of me penetrating a woman like you <laughs> and which by, by the sounds of things he's a virgin so i don't really know where all this confidence is coming from i'm not really but it is like the incels yeah, right yeah, yeah. it's not just about finding a nice woman that like shoots but finding like the yeah. woman who is top of the hierarchy yeah and yeah yeah, yeah it's a, i mean but it's quite strange though was like i was listening to an interview with um the the author and she kind of shares some of Shira has sort of views about, like, I mean, obviously, because he also refers to the human animal a lot in this book as well. She's very clear to do that. But that's that kind of naturalism seems to be, or that, the, that inescapable naturalism seems to be like the background noise of this book, even though we have this kind of image of, you know, what is more modern than the notion of a store that is convenient? Um, and yet still has a persistent nature going on. I think it's a, an interesting tension that she plays up with. But I do wonder what her theories about humans are. And I mean, you talked about it, but let's look at the actual name of the book. Convenience Store Woman in itself describes her as a woman mm-hmm. and not a worker. 
So back to the quote when we said that we're all store workers, she's in the end a convenience yeah. store woman. But that's, this is also a problem with the because like the translation of the Japanese could also just be convenience store person. Oh, okay. Then so I, don't, this is a I don't really know. This is the choice of the um, of the marketing. So that's, mm-hmm. um, which including that they yeah. trans translated sushi as rice balls. Might be <laughs> no, I think this is actually rice balls. I think this is a different thing. This is a <laughs> but there are some funny things that yeah. I wondered, is this the translation or what? Because the sister-in-law calls her up in the end and is mm. really angry with her. Yeah. Uh, who's the, uh, what, she's the sister-in-law of Shiraha. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she's saying something like, blah, 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 fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. And then she's like... Both of you can die and you can go to heaven or whatever. Uh, t- t- take your take your terrible genes to heaven. Yeah, exactly. And I was wondering, hmm, that's a very Christian symbolism. But there's only like about 1% of Japanese people that yeah. are actually Christian. Yeah, 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 yeah. So is that a translation thing or there is, is a, it just the 1% here we're talking about? There is a thing of lots of Japanese stuff translating heaven into things. And it has some. it's some weird version of... Something from the book from Buddhism being kind of anglicized to a Christian vision of the same thing. Okay. It's, it's, it's a, and also like then tying into I think also other um, more traditional religions than Buddhism within Japan. Um, it's yeah, it's a yeah, it's a. Com- you're right. So it's, it's not one to try and pass. I think. Mm. But I think there yeah. were like some parts of this book where I was like, this is probably really yeah. difficult to translate. Yeah, yeah, but it's a, it is quite a common. Um, common trope in like Japanese stuff to talk about heaven despite mm-hmm. it being or like okay. at least in, tra- in translation I don't know Japanese anyone Japanese not me no no, no uh, but, but I mean back to the point we talked about Jap- Japanese sort of specific uh, including the translation and I have to say that there's been this sort of demographic anxiety mm-hmm. anxiety being Japan specific as well which is aversion to sex and romance mm-hmm. which both of them suffered from uh, both of the main characters Keiko and uh, Shiraha mm-hmm. as well Um, they are both virgins, if mm. I'm not mistaken. They are both in their late 30s. And uh, it's it, it it takes because it takes time from career, right? Mm. Like building actual romance and, and building actual relationships. Mm. Uh, but they don't, neither of them actually <laughs> do build careers. <laughs> so this is sort of a dead end for for mm. a specific part of Japanese culture, which just doesn't make it. And, and it brings a lot of, brings a lot of uh, trouble to... Or, or sort of attention to to what is actually happening in Japan and why is there such a high suicide rate. And for me, the whole book might have been a bit of a critique of this Japanese work-life culture. Of She mm. works part-time, but she works five times a week from nine to five. <laughs> yes, no, also... but, yeah, but she only does that because they're short-staffed. And it's right now, and she's saying yeah. it's so easy to get like extra points if you can step in with short notice. But it re- it really is only because they're short staffed. Yeah, but does she need extra points after working eighteen years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she must have by that by then have a special sort of place in the store. When when she 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 says she 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 saw eight or nine managers actually change in the store, and she's been mm-hmm. sort of since there from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So she's. Basically, the the reincarnation of the store itself. Mm. So, but uh, we also learned that she's not invited out for like their uh, social stuff, 
until yeah. she gets uh, her fake boyfriend, yeah. Yeah. and when she gets him, she wants she needs extra money because mm. it's expensive feeding him. Yeah. And but there is also something really interesting about this, also the, like that kind of asexuality of the thing. I, there's a wonderful moment where she's asked uh, Shira has uh, sister-in-law if they should breed, as you were mentioning before, and then after she gets basically you know, told to no, stop it here. So apparently it'd be better for the human race if Shiraha and I didn't mate. Since I'd never had sex and the very thought of it was was ghastly, I was quite relieved about this. Like so, <laughs> it's it's like it's, it is quite profound disgust of. I guess maybe it's because I mean I don't think it's like it can't just be that it's a, a disgust towards like the impulse or the act or because it's to do with everything that's associated with it, isn't it? It's got to, it must be entangled with all of the values that come from. That, like, okay, now you're tied to this creature, now you have to do these things. But also I think the language that around, uh, evolves around it, that mm. you have to use, she's very fixed on languages. Mm. Uh, in the beginning, it's how the convenience store is a world of sound. And mm. then a theme of the book is how the self is, or at least her self, mm. is made up of many parts of the people around mm. her and how oh, she yeah. adapts to speech mm. to fit to who, how she sees it yeah. appropriate and how she's made up like 30% of this person mm. and 20% of this yeah. person yeah. and that changes over time constantly. Mm. It's like a fluid fluid thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think a lot of it has to do with languages, mm -hmm. uh, like the language you use for mm. something. Yeah. yeah, I think that's actually, that was my favorite part of the opening of the book is when she was talking about how she just... How not just her, she could see everyone else also being imprinted by the people as well. Mm. Yeah. And they all thought they were actual people. Mm. And I thought that was a wonderful image. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was actually the strongest part of the book. Yeah. That? And I like okay. how she keeps coming back yeah. to that. And now yeah. she talks like that. Yeah, and now yeah. she uses the voice of her store manager because she thinks it will like yeah. fit in this situation. Yeah. And how she copies other people to be a person. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> isn't that what, like, to some extent, yeah, isn't yeah, that yeah, what yeah. you do? Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, you yeah. aren't hermetically You're sealed as yourself. Yeah. And, and, and as you say, like it is, it is very much down to language to the point of like mm. every idea I express is mm. an idea someone else has expressed before, mm. um, maybe in a new context now. But I'm I'm borrowing other way, other people's expression when I express myself. Yeah, and you know that can be extreme where I imitate someone, like you know when you're trying to make someone feel comfortable by reflecting their expressions back to them, or it can be. More subtle, like where I paraphrase Deleuze in a podcast until I reveal that. But it's just so sympathetic, I think, how she... And I really liked the mm. uh, parts of that book when she talked about that because yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Um, yeah. In some ways, I almost wanted the... Um, I wanted the book from about five years earlier where she's just in the throes of working in a convenience <laughs> store and nothing happens to disrupt that equilibrium. Mm. And I wanted 150 pages of that. Yeah. And just all of the details and maybe like some some new development happening in the store where they were <clears throat> had a new fridge or a new heater system for the for the Frankfurters and mm. that being a, a disruption to a routine because this kind of this wonderfully modular life she had was just thrilling to me. <laughs> Much more thrilling than Sharaha as a uh, as a disruptor, I thought. So in a way, I didn't see it as the act of sex in itself being repulsive. No. Well, probably also, but especially the way you talk about it, yeah. and then what happens yeah, afterwards, yeah. Yeah. and all the shit you buy into by doing yes, something. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, because we are like a couple of times at that grill party with her friends uh, or sort of friends that she has mm. in order to like appear normal. Mm. 
and the stuff they say and which is yeah well the rules what cr- people yeah. say i what i spe- specifically liked about her meeting her friends the way she then talks about or at the very moment when she meets them she thinks about what she has to say in order to appear normal yeah. as well as she sort of remembers what her sister told her because mm. her sister apparently sort of plays the game with her she she realizes she's not normal and she has to appear normal mm. in front of the the friends to not get any more questions and uh, i just want to get back to like the love story and i sort of want to play the narrative because i realized then if she is a convenience store and if she is the, the the living of the convenience store as soon as she becomes the woman as she's as soon as she announces she is in the relationships she also gets an invitation mm. to hang out with the other workers because the other workers they don't, they don't want to hang out with the store itself they want to hang out mm. out of the store <laughs> they just want to have a break right and yeah. she is the store itself yeah. she's yeah. part of the store but as soon as she appears to be something more than just the store she gets an invite so she becomes a woman. She becomes a part of society. Yeah, this is what Simone de Beauvoir was talking about, I believe. Um, one is not born a convenience store, but becomes one. Mm. Um, yeah, but she is born. Mm. Yeah, she's she, reborn. She's, she talks yeah, about yeah, her yeah, rebirth. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. I was. <laughs> but she also says in the end of the book where she did just this interview. I think she says to Shiracha mm-hmm. that she says like, "I'm I'm born to be." the convenience store yeah. so like I mean she is born yeah. to be in this store mm. that's her main purpose I think this has to do again like these are all points I think coming together quite nicely is that you know it's the rules of each game so like they say they, they spell the rules quite clearly out where they say okay so men have to get married and have a career women can get married or have a career uh, but you can't just have a part-time job in a convenience store but if you can just really just do that maybe you can get away with it if you just really, really are good at the convenience store, and when and when also like when sex just ties into those games, it's it's it is repulsive because it's either it's either jeopardizing your career as a woman or it's uh, attaching you to this man forever in a way which is which is uh, re- repressive. And I think that's quite yeah, it's quite a fascinating double bind that's actually spelled out and then navigated through. Cool. So we got the asexuality out of the way. Convenience. Anyone have any, any thoughts to think about the uh, the no, the nation the very notion of convenience as this store depicts it? What what do we want? <laughs> like this. What does this What does this say about a world where we just we just want a bowl of rice right before us all the time? The way in which it's so predictable that we can just you can just put an offer on the thing and then now everyone's eating the watermelon chocolate drink. <laughs> that that's part what I which I found specifically interesting that she keeps pushing the limits of the store. She keeps being the store and working hard after working eighteen years. There is just no sort of slacking off for her. Neither as for the store. She just oh, there's rice balls on discount. My I'm we never sold a hundred before, but today it's gonna happen. After eighteen years, she th- still thinks it. This is the day when we sell it. This is this is the time, and she keeps like forcingly pushing it onto the customers. Yeah. So the last time it was ninety six, it was this close. This time it's gonna happen, and uh, I really like the enthusiasm after eighteen years of working at the same place, at the same position. I I appreciate it. But that's kind of the worker you want. Yeah, it is indeed. Yeah, and yeah, I mean. And- 
So is there like a huge trauma to her childhood? Like why does she want it so much? Why does she want to be why does she care so much about mm. being a person? Because she puts a lot of effort into it and she has no life outside of it. And you mm. might imagine that she would have like a massive life outside of it, maybe mm. in a basement somewhere mm. and mm. no money still. Mm. But mm. um why the effort yeah. You could imagine her just sitting on 4chan doing stuff all Yeah, Amazing. World of Warcraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like have a virtual yeah. doubleganger and yeah. putting all your energy into that. I mean, people talked, people mentioned all of her life, or like especially her sister, mm -hmm. that she has to be cured. Yeah, that's like, a big theme as well. She has like, to be cured. She has to be cured mm -hmm. from like, because they could sense that she was like not normal yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. in her childhood, yeah. like the yeah. the bird yeah. and the shovel, yeah. and like okay, we have to cure you. We have to like yeah. make you into a normal human being. And then, yeah. you know, she doesn't care, but then she comes off as a normal person. Which then, like, yeah, you know, that's, I guess, is like the most powerful uh, social critique that the novel puts forward <clears throat> is that um, ostensibly society is for the benefit of humans, but if humans are animals and we're being told not to act as such, we're meant to act normally, which is in contra to what we think we should do, What is the point of all this again? Mm. And I, it's, I mean, it's quite nicely, um, almost sarcastically stated, I think, through the, through the book. And also super tragic because, like, how it's depicted, she's like a free, free-thinking child, right? Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. She goes against the, like, mainstream yeah. and she has ideas and impulses yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that's totally killed off. Yeah. Um, I mean... In a way, she still has it, but yeah. then she like conforms via the convenience store. Mm. She's the Ubermensch. Uh, yeah. Why does she do it? Well, she she sees through the values being kind of hypocritical and stupid. She's yeah. So she's, that's reward enough in itself. No, she, but she well, well, she does it to not be. I think there's a, there's a fear thing that's going <clears> on. I think she doesn't want to be singled out or victimized. But uh, and I think that's the only reason why she behaves in that way. Is because she doesn't think she can defend herself. If yeah. She, if if they if they turn on her, if they if they take her to the asylum, if she mm. continues this way. But I think she also has this <clears throat> image of herself as weak. That's what she keeps yeah. saying to people. Like, why do you only work part time? Why do you work in a convenience store? Mm. Oh, it's because I'm in a bad like physical condition. Mm. I I can't work more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As 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 well as weak, she also portrays herself in these situations to just play it. Uh, outside of the the actual field, to sort of like that's why she discusses with with her sister about what should she say in order to appear normal. That's the whole thing about appearing normal. She just doesn't wanna doesn't wanna be interrogated and in, in, intimidated by these sort of questions. Like, why are you still working in a convenience store? So so she figures out. I want to say a, a sort of a manual on how to live a life, and yeah. in the same way. <laughs> I mean, it it yeah. it. it Nicely binds it together, maybe in the same way to how to operate a convenience store and how to actually operate this sort of mm. social yeah. situation of yeah. getting in, in interviewed. Yeah, and if by you imagine, someone. and if you imagine, there's a certain number of variables that are undetermined in a convenience store. What she's then done is use that same number for life. So as long as I say I'm weak, as long as I. Um, As long as I, I I say I'm just not interested in things, or my romance life is never is it's too stressful for me, then all of these things can be just cut down to how to function in the world, like and and just be left with the same number of things you have to consider while working at a convenience store. I want to say, I missed a little bit of a mystery in the whole sort of book 
because we talked a lot about, let's say, the bird, the knife, the baby, and the shovel. Well, <laughs> and that's that's like three that's situations. A good, that's a good premise for another book, I think. Yeah, that, that's three situations when she appeared and she acted with her instincts, and nothing more. And all of them are explained as part of her. And there is just the main narrative, and no looking left, no looking right, a very tunnel vision of what's going on and why is it in the book. At least for me, it 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 appeared that this was just a plain critique of Japanese society, which fair enough, and it was a it was a well written book. But I sort of missed a little bit of mystery, a, a little bit of a little bit of something happening in the actual book that is not well explained, that is not there just solely for the purpose of the narrative happening, as well as I sort of think that Shiraha was introduced to the actual book just to move the notion forward, despite you said you would really wish to read a book from five <laughs> years ago where nothing really happened and the whole book would be about uh, changing the refrigerators. <laughs> this felt like a very forced, yeah. a very forced sort of, uh, I don't want to say Deus Ex Machina or anything, but just a very forced change yeah, to the like, book and, yeah. and, and to, the, to the whole story to, to make it moving. And... Uh, yeah, I, that's what I, that's yeah, basically I, I would say that's my sense of it. I mean, I understand why, why because it allows her to illustrate as a writer more points of critique that she's articulating through the book. Um, but yeah, it's it's not. I don't know if it feels entirely organically built. It feels like there's a third act that needs to have a certain um, crisis in it which has to be resolved, and that maths is what dictates what happens with the Shiraha. I think. Mm. I think my last question that I would uh, like to bring up before I open the floor to all of you <laughs> wonderful people um, is the the notion of agency in, in the book um, and what it is to be an agent, what it is to have control over your life and the way that she retreats from that once she realises that it has such negative effects. Um, and I, I think we could maybe also tie this to like a larger discussion of... Um, what is it with all these books about women wanting to not do anything? Like, what's this about? Like, you've got My Year of Rest and Relaxation, we've got The Vegetarian, we've got the weird abjection that happens to I Love Dick as well. I mean, there's this... Or, like, Pond, it's just... St- many books we've covered on this very podcast. Yeah. yeah. Where, p- where women are in places... Women don't want to do trying not Trying yeah. not to do anything. Yeah. Um, I guess maybe yeah. What what do you what do you guys think about it? Like you know, this notion of agency in relation to this book and it being removed and maybe yeah. Maybe on 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 the sole purpose of actually women not doing anything from a very market economical perspective, it might be the thing that sells. Yeah. I mean, there yeah. is no. It, it a is specific. Yeah. yeah, it it is right. It's an it's a bestseller uh, because. Who are the readers? Well, probably women who don't want to do anything, but they have to do something, and maybe they just want to portray themselves. Um, just want to portray themselves and live some other life for a while. I guess that might be a that might be a driver in this whole sort of thing, just purely economical. Just this is what sells. No, certainly, <coughs> certainly, this is what's selling. My question then is, then the thing of why is this selling? Why is this the appealing story of our moment? 
And it's weird, right? Because yeah. we still have the, and I say we, but I mean, of course, we are progressive creatures who no longer think of women in that way. But uh, the Speak man for is yourself. <laughs> <laughs> the man is active and the woman is passive, yeah. right? And in the beginning, I was like, oh, is this subversive? The woman, like, mm. not wanting. And then, yeah, for like five minutes it is, but then it isn't anymore. Mm. Um, I really, okay, and this has nothing to do with anything. I kind of like it because I also have a longing of becoming, I don't know, something like in the cooler in Neto mm. and just like not having to do shit at all, which is different than from like the man-woman relation. Uh, mm. But just like in general, fuck yeah. it. I Like the thing you have to do when you're a person is you have to want to do something. And it doesn't matter what it is. You just have to want <laughs> to do something. Mm -hmm. You need to have at least one drive yeah. uh, in order like to do something, to be a person. Um, and that's why I like Kathy Acker a lot yeah. because she fucking wants to do something and she doesn't know what it is. And that's why her books are so messy because there's so much energy in that yeah, and it yeah. goes in every direction and it sort of amounts to nothing. I mean, it amounts to a book, right? Uh, because we're reading that book, but, but nothing in the text itself. Yeah. Uh, it's just a fucking mess of like drive mm -hmm. and wants and yeah. like thoughts and everything. Um, and it's impossible. Yeah. Um, because the prison of wanting to do something is it has <clears throat> you have to want to do something that other people can understand exactly and that's and why it has to be coherent yeah. and it has to be acceptable yeah. and yeah and that's why it's appalling because it's a new kind of prison where you mm. yeah where you, where you're building for yourself by wanting to do anything yeah and you have to stick with yeah. that right yeah. and it yeah. Ha yeah and you have yeah. to talk about yeah. it in a certain way yeah. and all that and I can see these women yeah. not wanting to do that because yeah. it fucking sucks yeah. like a lot <laughs> of the time if if you don't want to do that thing yeah. or like just. <laughs> I see most people as like probably being Kathy Acker, but you have to express yourself as these women do yes. in order to be understood. Yeah. Do, so do you think it's like someone like um, Sayaka Murata is is like a Kathy Acker who is just trying to make herself be able to sell books by saying? I think we are all Kathy Ackers. It's creepy, <laughs> like when we are, like. I mean, yeah. yeah, and then we can like put some of that into something and then maybe that becomes this book because then at least part of it was coherent and we did something right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think Kathy Acker is better at explaining just what it's like to be without actually explaining it. Yeah. This is an interesting comparison which I didn't think was going to come up. Um, the Kathy Acker Sayaka Murata comparison yeah. <laughs> is a difficult one for me to pass but I think that is an interest. I think it's a really interesting contrast in the question of agency, um, because as you say, yeah, entirely right. Do something is the entire punk ethos that Katiaka works from, and this is, oh no, I tried to do something, I was told no. What I'll do is I'll just put the cans back on the shelf, mm. and then no one could say I haven't done anything, and also I've done the right thing. Yeah, um, and also then yeah. I write a book about it, right? Yeah. There's that in it as well. Yeah, and that anxiety. That thing of, so it's almost, it's less even that um, the, the, the binary of men being active and women being passive. It's now this world of everyone must be active in exactly the right way. Yeah. And that's the horror. Yeah, it is. Ah, that's why I like the book. And it's about like what we're told now. If you make a right wrong, sorry, if you make a wrong decision when you're twenty, it's gonna affect your entire mm. fucking life, right? Yeah. Um, you have to work towards something and make the right decisions all the time. Yeah. So I can see this reaction. Like, no, I don't want to do anything because shit. Which is why I have deactivated that by putting lots of naked pictures of myself on the internet. 
And that way, my bad Ooh. decisions are already done. What hashtag do you use? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Everything's, everything's recorded forever. Bacon All with I- an M. Bacon with an M. <laughs> hashtag bacon with an M. <laughs> I'm on Reddit. <laughs> bacon gone I'll wild. I'll put some of me myself out later then, if yeah. you did it already. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, that's the only way to defeat the system. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's subversive. Mm. Um, no, but that's the thing. Like Everything, everything lasts forever. Um, and you have to do something right now, but whatever you do will last forever, so you better get it right. Mm. Uh, and instead of that, you should, uh, you could just, again, put the, put the chicken out of the freezer, into the fryer, sell a hundred sticks of chicken skewers, you're on for a great day. I'm gonna just open it up to you guys. Is there any, any, anything else you guys wanted to men- mention about this, uh, this book? I've covered the things I thought were most interesting. I can start. I just want to say it was an easy to read book, which, I mean, honestly, we should probably mention that in the podcast somewhat as well. <laughs> yeah, it flowed well. Yeah. yeah, bring it Very, to the beach. Like, you can read it anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was a good sort of coffee table book, which you can pick up and it gets you extremely hooked up. Mm. It's very translucent, witty, somewhat relatable. In in some ways, it was relatable and easy, short to read. It was 150 pages, but the pages were short. Um, if I were to compare it to some sort of same size novels, let's say of Mice and Men, of Mice and Men is extremely heavy and uh, crammed with uh, biblical sort of yeah hints and all that. This was just an easy book to read with with a straight message. Most of it was funny. I I have to give. I have to give like a proper shout out to that. That was a nice book to read, but I just I just missed something extra. I just missed the last sort of spice to it. I think mm-hmm. it missed a little bit of mystery. It missed a little bit of ah, just just to, to grudge the drive. Well, maybe we actually we can actually fold this into recommendations. Then um, would you would you recommend it? And depending on to whom, I, I would recommend it to someone who wants to pick up reading who, let's say, read last book four years ago or a year ago or six mm. months ago and just, you know, wants to get back into this everyday reading before bed, definitely. It was an easy book to read. It was mm. super nice, nice to talk about as well. I really enjoyed mm. talking about it and I I think it's it's a great book. I would recommend it to people like that. I would not recommend it to people who are actually reading a lot and who require or, or sort of you know look for heavier um denser stuff mm. i think it was a, a good start for readers i think i when i started reading this book i was in a very like dry period you know where you are like kind of stuck and mm. no matter what you read is like boring or you mm. can't focus on it or whatever mm. Mm. then i read this and then you know it was very easy it was short it was funny so I, I read it very fast mm. and I really, really enjoyed it. Mm. I, I found it refreshing, mm. even though I have read like some quite heavy stuff. I, you know, I mm. found it very refreshing. Uh, I really, I really liked it. Yeah. Uh, I, so you'd recommend it to people? And I yes, kind of I have, I have recommended it yeah. to a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. You've recommended it to us. Yeah. Isn't um, we here because of you? Yeah, yes, I think so, you yeah. are here mm-hmm. because of my, my Indian friend who found it. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Exactly. I feel like I've, I don't know how that's happened and me not be aware of that. But that's okay. Yeah. He read it and then I was in this drive here yeah. and then he was like, you should read this. Right. And then... Right. Right. So you wouldn't recommend it aesthetically, you recommend it very practically. 
mm-hmm. and you'd recommend it aesthetically. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. How about you, Joe? Uh, yeah, I would recommend it. Uh, I don't know who to like. Uh, yeah. If they had just read like the vegetarian, my rear, my rear of relaxation, my rear of yes, then I would probably go hat trick on them and ask yeah. like, have you read this book? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but uh, it depends on the situation. I wouldn't talk mm. anyone out of reading it, mm. which I think I actually did today. But except for that, I, <laughs> I would. I don't know why I did that. Um, Who did you talk out of reading it? My friend. Uh, um, why? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I was just being an idiot. Yeah, because they can just listen um, to the podcast, right? Yeah. Podcast. The podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I mean, I. I, yeah. I, just, I think. I don't know. I think there is something to this discussion that we've had previously about you know what is this pervasive notion of responding to the restrictions placed on agency by saying, "Oh, I don't want any," then. Mm. Um, I think there is. I think one of the things that maybe we're getting to a, a feeling that we're having is that there's a limit to that as resistance. And I think the notion of something like My Year of Re- Rest of Relaxation as a subversive book, mm. which it really isn't. Yeah. And this also, this I think is more subversive than my re- year, my, my rest, my rest and relaxation year. Uh, <laughs> I can't say titles. Well, it's more re- uh, realistic, at least. Yeah, I think. I think. I think they're very relate. They they relate very well to each other, and I think this mm. one just makes a clearer case for what it's talking about. Mm. Um, and I would recommend it for those reasons. But I am, I am, my interest is piqued by this strange notion that if we just don't have any agency, then we can, then we're resisting in some way, and I think that's a bit. And also about, I would like. Okay, so no, no, I don't. But um, <laughs> the whole thing about. Passive or active is actually just the same thing, right? Because when you are ac- active in like the conventional way, you are still passive. Or, like, I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's why, like, after, I would recommend Kathy Acker now, which yeah. I don't think I really did when we read Kathy Acker because I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> but now I would like yeah. to recommend yeah. Kathy Acker. If you want to read three pages of Charles Dickens' Great Expectations and then go into a kind of sexual hellscape, for the rest of the book of uh, and and sentences that don't make sense mm, and punctuation do, that's non-existent. I do now. That is, yeah, I think that's a, yeah, I mean, maybe we should just try and find some punk stuff. Anyway, yeah, I'd recommend it. It's good. It's a good book. But I think there's a worrying mm. cultural force that it depicts. Mm. Yes. Next month. What are we reading <laughs> next month? Next month, next month we're going to read the um, well. If we can get a hold of it, it's a uh, it's it's like gold dust. But we're going to read the hundreds, a um, experimental uh, theory book by Lauren Ballant and Kathleen Stewart. Yes. And it's going to be an introduction to perhaps a new podcast, also starting from the Arc Audio Network. Well, we're doing some theory stuff, as this is a experimental theory book, so it has this uh, this this vibe of being kind of poetic as well. And okay. We're looking forward to that. But, like I say, gold dust those books, so hopefully we'll get it in. What are we going to read if we can't get it in, Macon? We're going to read Kathy Acker, <laughs> I think. <laughs> We're going to read My Father, Hannibal Lecter. Mm. Okay. Right. Thanks, guys. Mm? Did I? Tack. Tack. <laughs>